You are listening to a Nerd Room Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Be sure to check out more from the Star Wars Commonwealth on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Everyone, welcome to the Nerd Room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, and DC. This episode number one hundred and sixty-nine. We're discussing twenty years of X-Men in film. I'm one of your hosts, Tim, and I'm Sanjay. And this week, it's old school. Everyone's favorite podcaster, Troy, is otherwise <laughs> indisposed. Yeah. So you got Sanjay and I here to talk about X-Men. Did you know that yesterday, being May thirteenth? Was officially X Men Day. Uh, I did now. <laughs> May the thirteenth be with you. Actually, I did because our good buddy Grabs. Yes, he, he mentioned that, that on Twitter. But it was new to me. I found it through Grabs as well. And <laughs> Grabs is like our source of information. Yes, big time. He's keeping yeah. us in the know. But that's why we're talking X Men this week, guys. Is that it was X Men Day. This is in promotion of X Men Dark Phoenix, which comes out on June seventh. Do you have your tickets? Yes. No, I don't. <laughs> I heard you did though. I'm like the only one. <laughs> I saw it at the theater. So the tickets went on sale yesterday. There's only four people that have tickets, and I'm one of them. Yes. <laughs> so safe to say, this movie will not be in the box office pool. No, and it did not make the cut this year for any of us. But there's yeah. lots of X-Men stuff to talk about, because it was really this X-Men day that sent me down this path of doing a little bit of research on X-Men, because I didn't really comprehend that we've been with this franchise for 20 years. I saw mm-hmm. X-Men 1 in theaters yeah. in the year 2000, and we've really followed this franchise through our comic book love and through film watching because it's been there forever. Since yeah. I was a teenager, that that film franchise has been around with a movie every couple of years. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy to think that that film franchise in itself is coming to an end here as they transition to ownership and really transferring back to Marvel Studios and inevitably at some form of reboot into the MCU. But there's a lot to celebrate here. There's 13 or a dozen films or something like that to talk about here. There's comic books and really kind of just breaking down our favorite moments from this franchise that we've been with for 20 years and counting down our top five films from that franchise so we're gonna have a lot of fun towards the end of the episode here talking about x-men and what that film franchise has done for the genre itself comic book movies and also what impact it's had on us as individual film goers from watchers and fans of comic book film in general I guess you could say it's excellent. <laughs> Sanjay with the puns. <laughs> uh, yeah, what uh, what episode is this? This is episode, oh my good. Do you know what is hilarious? <laughs> I love you so much because you're the most predictable man on the planet. I wrote, when I was writing out the outline today, I wrote 169. And then I stopped in my head, oh, Sanjay, you're definitely going to say something about Get the, it? Two, <laughs> the two letters or numbers at the back end of this episode. Number. Yes, it is 169. Do you, do you want me to draw you a diagram? Yes. Is that how, is that how it works? Let me borrow some of your action figures and yeah. I'll show you. Sanjay. You're like, no, don't defile Luke Skywalker like that. You are hilariously predictable and I love you so much. <laughs> Anyways, man, before we get into our weekend nerd, yes. I just want to give a big, big shout out to the maker himself. George Lucas is celebrating his 75th birthday this week. Oh. 
Yes, so crazy, the man that has created this franchise handed off to Disney and they ran with it. But my room here is filled with memorabilia from that franchise spanning from 1977 all the way through to present day. So a huge shout out to the maker, like I said, to the man that created the universe that we've all embraced and now love and just give so much money to. <laughs> yeah, he's not hurting for money, is he? No, he's all right. That $4 billion yeah. in, his, in his pocket, that you know, pure cash deal is Probably sitting pretty well. And he doesn't have to deal with fanboys anymore. So yeah, that's, probably. that's a win. <laughs> so so he did Star Wars. He did Indiana Jones. Was he yes. director or writer? On I believe Indy? he did the writing because Spielberg directed those. Okay. Okay. Yes. So taking out those two franchises. Howard the Duck. Is Howard the Duck your third favorite George Lucas creation? Uh, yeah. I think he did Willow as well. Oh, Willow. I heard quite good things. Yes. Yeah, yes. Willow. It's uh, Warwick Davis, I think. Yeah, Warwick Davis yeah. from, he was in the Return of the Jedi. There you go. You know, he's in one of the flagship faces of Star Wars now. He was, yeah. you know, big host at Star Wars Celebration, all that. He's always popping up everywhere. Nice. Yeah. So I think, and then he did Red Tails a few years ago, which mm, did, did, did not land. It was a, I believe, a World War II aerial flight type of film. Ah probably technically beautiful yeah I, I really don't know but i'd have to say yeah like indiana jones for sure yeah and maybe willow maybe, yeah maybe howard the duck which i was, like howard the yeah. duck it's a catchy song one of know. the first comic book adaptations I first from marvel. marvel yeah the very first i think if you don't include like the 1940s captain america serials yeah. which i don't really think they count no so yeah so that's the first marvel film yeah because yeah that came out pre-1990s captain america as well yeah i think it was 87 yeah i'm gonna say 87 late 80s 80s. yeah yeah so yeah go check that out very different from the howard the duck that maybe you think is in there yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's actually i I saw it the other day um it's interesting you you watched it the other day yeah really yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's hilarious got tim robbins in it yeah and and, uh there's like a catchy song uh leah thompson yeah leah thompson back in the future back to the future yeah so check it out howard the duck yeah there you go there's the the man george lucas also no um i'm gonna tell you which one is my favorite it's got ron howard in it um, oh yes Graf- american graffiti. american graffiti there yeah. it is yeah that's that's the one okay, okay. that's probably the favorite outside of i haven't seen that one yeah i mean it's a little known film but howard the duck yeah that's much watch television <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right man it's uh, it's been a slow weekend or slow yeah. weekend news and for me it's been a slow weekend collecting you know it's been a lot of family focus here yeah. getting the kind of the intense but also the the phase where everyone's starting to fall into a bit of a routine a bit of a pattern so things are starting to kind of really work out here on my end from the dad world side so nice. hopefully in the coming weeks i'll be able to refocus on reading comic books because every night i say to myself i'm gonna read a comic book yeah and as soon as the little one goes down i literally leap into bed yeah <laughs> you gotta take advantage of sleep exactly. whenever you can man as soon as she goes down so yeah you're a couple of months ahead of me. That's right. Have you reintegrated back into the nerd world in a big way? I know we got some steelbooks coming. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, in terms of reading comics, my philosophy is always just read one or two. Like, you know, much like yours, if you have the time, you're never going to regret it. Like, no. obviously, if you're exhausted and it's been a rough day, obviously, go get that sleep while you can. But, you know, if things go well and you got some spare time, man like why not so i try not to read too much comics in one day because i feel like i kind of get overwhelmed or i rush through it because i am so far behind right now but actually the other day i just read some justice league dark which was really good and uh shout out to grabs again shazam yeah that book is phenomenal like if they follow the story in the comic book in the sequel 
that sequel is going to make twice as much as the first one. Like yeah. it is so good. So much fun. The art's beautiful. The story's great. I just love that book. It's, it's a really good book. You have to check it out. It's only five issues in. I might grab this one on trade actually. Yeah. So six issues to spin it out into a trade because I still have yet to see the film and I apologize guys. <laughs> I think our, we'll do the review, review is coming. when, when it releases on Steelbook. Yeah. <laughs> that, that'll be our promise. Okay. That's actually a good timing. Actually. Yeah. It'll be June. I think June, yeah. like, 14th i think okay so. that makes sense that yeah. makes sense i like that okay so that'll be the commitment when it yeah. it's already coming out on stupid i know isn't that crazy weird so yeah that'll be a commitment when it comes out in stupid we will review it then and so we can kind of time it with home video release inevitably some form of uh, dc universe or netflix or something like that right yeah so That's more people could be able to see this film speaking of home video release you know aquaman came out on home video a couple weeks ago we didn't talk about the numbers because they take a little bit of while to trickle in yeah opening weekend it was the number one selling Blu-ray of the year. And it's the number two combined Blu-ray and DVD of the year already after one weekend. So I think it made about like 31 or $35 million. That's so. insane. Yeah. There's still that, that many digital media buyers that aren't you. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about it? It's like 30 Not bucks a copy. I mean, I said digital. Yeah, it's all physical. Yeah, physical media. Yeah, so there's a million people that bought it. I mean, when you go back and you look at some of the uh, previous movies, like Dark Knight made over $300 million in home video that sales. Is- bananas <laughs> right like you add it to the billion that it made like you can see and, and studios i think take a bigger chunk of the home video sales and ticket sales so it, you know it's it's a dying market but it's one that i'm gonna prop up as best i can <laughs> until yes. my dying breath so uh uh yeah and you mentioned also steelbooks we got captain marvel steelbook yes, coming out coming out june 11th that's right yeah so you're getting a steelbook yes sunday is dragging me back into the steelbook world here it's just like uh is that godfather yes like just when i think i'm out they yeah. drag me back in i i had i had said to myself i'm out of steelbooks yeah they're expensive once we got to the 4k they're 45 dollars plus yeah i said okay only star wars and event mcu films right and then the mcu just recaptured me yeah and i was like i need them and sunjay said he got me the captain america first avenger that completely beautiful my cap run. steelbook and now with Captain Marvel, I love that film. It's got to go into the collection. I got Black Panther last year. And I eventually said, okay, I'm back in, Sanjay. Just, just like just standing in. order because they're going back and re-releasing mm-hmm. the Phase 1 films. Yeah. Which you've mentioned before on the podcast are upwards of what? Like two, three hundred. Yeah. I think the Thor one I've seen for like, t- like 400 yeah. even. It's crazy. So like, obviously, I'm not going to spend that kind of money on a movie that I own twice. No. <laughs> right? Just for the case. But now that they're re-releasing them, 45, 50 bucks. Yeah. I'll drop it because, I mean, think about how beautiful it's going to be. You have all, like, 22, 23 films lined up. Oh, it's going to look so good. I'll, I'm going to post some pictures once I get it all completed. Yeah, you're pretty darn close. Now, yeah. I'm a long ways away. I'm probably about eight or ten films in on the Steelbook-wise. Okay, okay. But, yeah, you're grabbing the Iron Man. It's They're yeah. releasing the Iron Man. So they did the first Avenger. Yeah. And now Iron Man's coming to the table as well as Thor, right? The original Thor? Maybe. That, that's the rumor. That's the rumor. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. They released Iron Man. They released Captain America. They got to release Thor. What a time to be releasing them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, it, you know, combined with the Endgame uh, buzz that that had. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Man, why not? So I'm really looking forward to getting my hands on the Iron Man. We have kind of the, the marketplace DM, as Carlos has called it. Yeah. Past, where we have the DM. We're throwing random stuff into there. And so then also bizarre. it's like, I'll take one, I'll take one, I'll take one. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we're all getting hooked up. I think Troy's coming in on the Iron Man too. Yeah, it surprised well. me. Troy's even yeah. getting on this. Yeah, well, Iron Man, it's it's a pinnacle film, right? I love it. It's, it's so good. Film. So it, it's it's huge to have those those collector cases as being big collectors. And the MCU's really captured me back. Like I can't 
my focus has been so hard on that recently yeah. that I just love everything about it. I'm trying to grab anything I can get my hands on right now because, you know, we're living in a time, and we've said this before, about Endgame being, you know, the be-all and end-all of the MCU to this point. Like, we don't yeah. see it getting much bigger. Like, hopefully it does. Yeah. But it's going to be really hard to top that film. And I found myself online, you know, I'm on YouTube. I watched that Avengers Assemble oh. and that Cap thing so many times i know yeah. that was kind of a spoiler but we're well eh, mild spoiler <laughs> yeah i mean if you haven't seen it by now but avengers assemble didn't really give too much away there but they built I watched a lego that, set i probably watched it 30 times on youtube just yeah. on repeat just so that, good oh i i cannot wait to get mm-hmm. my hands on either a third viewing or when eventually the yeah the blu-ray comes out the steelbook comes out oh, oh. man i mean the steelbook they had the special edition savvy one from the uk it's like 120 Normally, I never get it. It comes with like a special case that lights up. Oh. And I, th- I think I pulled the trigger on it. I have it on pre order. I haven't decided if I'm going to keep it. It's expensive, eh? It's like 130 130 But I mean, if I'm going to pull it, you might as well do it for Endgame. Is it all? Is it just Endgame or is it Phase 3? No, just Endgame. Just Endgame. Because I got the original Phase 1 collector's case, the yeah. Tesseract case. Oh, that's nice. That's it was nice. about 125 bucks. Great art inside. The only problem is none of them are digital. So I do own all of Phase 1, but it was pre digital when all that came out what you do okay so you play it on your tv you take your cell phone and you record it <laughs> cam version and, yeah, of my and own then film. you have it yeah <laughs> yeah well i'm double up on why she get sued by disney <laughs> <laughs> crazy stuff yeah and like i said whoa i don't have really have much as far as my weekend nerd didn't yeah. really do a whole bunch but speaking about the mcu and endgame here let's yes. let's kind of leverage our way right into this discussion we've got the box office watch for avengers endgame flop here flop yes yeah indeed a flop I, I see i was thinking you know with troy taking it in the box office pool i i think we should cap it you know just because troy's not here and there's two of us that we yeah. can out veto him. him right yeah i think so i think we should cap it at 200 threat million of getting beat up yeah <laughs> we'll cap it at opening weekend that sounds fair yes it's still 350 that's more than yeah. <laughs> probably two of my films combined are gonna make yeah <laughs> <laughs> no right now it stands at 2.4 eight nine billion dollars worldwide this wow. is as of monday yeah and domestically it stands at 723 million dollars after adding 63 million dollars <laughs> over the weekend here domestically in north america the big question is now we've been talking about this for weeks it looks like the avatar gross at 2.78 billion whatever it is is within reach it's close but following along with the totals when you're comparing it to the number one domestic grocer which is the force awakens mm-hmm. force awakens as of this point 17 days in is actually doing better now than endgame endgame was a hundred million dollars higher yeah. after its first five or six days yeah and now the force awakens has overtaken that as far as pacing goes Ooh. with the 723 that avengers endgame has right now at the same time in that movie's film release yeah it has 742 million dollars oh so the question is you know what looks like avatar not a sure thing but a likely thing I think is so. it going to catch the force awakens 937 million dollars two weeks ago we said for sure yeah now i'm really questioning whether or not that will be topped by avengers endgame no 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 i don't think so because the competition it's the competition right we don't yeah. it and or the force awakens was a december release schedule yeah i mean i don't know why marvel didn't wait till december to release this i mean not that it needed any help but it certainly would have helped this is the marvel frame right this is yeah. their their space in the release schedule 
And yeah, biggest opening of all time. Heavily front loaded here. But Detective Pikachu did yeah. really well this Pretty past well, weekend. Pretty well, yeah. You know, upwards of 50 plus $60 million. Almost took this at number one. Yeah. Did actually beat it on the Friday night. Wow. So yeah, the competition is real right now. And then we're running into end of May, early June, where you're getting more comic book films, more big tentpole films. So you're right. I don't think, and I agree with you, I don't think this is going to nab that $900 million, $937 million total from The Force Awakens. It will likely take the 800 million dollar mark yeah but getting to 900 i don't know which is interesting because black panther in itself did 700 million dollars but again this goes to release schedule it came out in february oh okay yeah yeah Yeah. so i don't know maybe uh studios are gonna look at this not like saying it's like a bad thing because i mean shit i mean it's gonna make 800 million like every other film except avatar and force awakens would be happy to make that yeah but uh you know, it is curious that they didn't put this out in December. Yeah. Maybe because of Spider-Man Far From Home, they're like, we can leverage off that and have our big summer release. Yeah. But even look when they bumped it back a week, right? In April to yeah. give themselves an extra week breathing room. They did that yeah. with Infinity War and it really proved well mm-hmm. for them. So you can't argue with probably the decision to release it here maybe a week earlier or whatever, but then you run into slightly other things. So this whole idea of, of release schedules is something that we, again, we talk about a lot here because it fascinates all three of us, the box office. Oh yeah. Like I bet you the studios have like release schedule experts. Oh, a hundred percent. Like they look at it. I mean, it, it, a lot goes into that decision. When you look at Solo, a Star Wars story, that yeah. is a shining example of what a release schedule poor release schedule at least placement in it can do to a film's total box office growth the film was good yeah it just ran into infinity war yeah it just ran into deadpool its right? own for its own studio yeah right so like... it's pretty wild then the other thing that's interesting about the total haul here is going to be probably close to the highest grossing film of all time and disney was already out there tempering expectations saying that yes between the two of them, they're going to make $5 billion, Infinity War and Endgame. Yeah. But it also costs them a ton of money to make these films. Yeah. So even last year, I was reading an article that said that Disney stock really didn't move much, even with Infinity War's $2 billion take. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't affect their bottom line to the same degree as, as other films might or as the, the Disney Parks or you know Disney Plus inevitably wills too. Yeah. So these films, yeah, they are giving them to us and they're making a ton of money. But it's not moving that bottom line on a company the size of Disney. Yeah. So, which is crazy to think about and put that into context. <laughs> right. I think too a lot of it has to do with expectations. Yeah. You, you put in a film, uh, investors are like, hey, Infinity War, Endgame's gonna make two billion, two point five billion. But if you had a film like Deadpool, yeah, when it you know costs fifty million and then it goes on to gross eight hundred million, mm. then I think that it would move Quiet the Quiet place. Yeah. Moves yeah. like this, right? Yeah. It's the surprise hits that really. That really moved the stock. Yeah, exactly. Now, with regards to MCU rankings, now you yes. had a couple weeks to sit, oh, to yeah. simmer a little bit, to really take in what Endgame was, its implications for the universe. And I threw out my new ranking mm-hmm. from Lunchbox. Lunchbox? Is it Lunchbox? No, I'm saying that. Letterbox. Letterbox. This is something that Carlos, our buddy here in Calgary, led us over to. And we we're all doing our rankings and all that on there. I revamped my MCU rankings, not only in, internally with some of the films, mm-hmm. but I placed Endgame onto the docket, and it took my number one spot Ooh. in the MCU, wow. overtaking the Winter Soldier. So, Sanjay, I gotta yeah. know, where does Endgame now fall for you Ooh. in the MCU ranking, your personal MCU ranking? You know, I've been going back and forth, because I said last year that Infinity War was number one. And, you know, truth be told, I think I'm going to stick with Infinity War. Yeah. To me, I think I enjoyed Endgame's final battle more 
than Infinity War's Wakanda battle. Yes. But I think the lead up and everything, like the first time seeing all these characters interact and seeing Thor with the Guardians and seeing Iron Man talk to Doctor Strange, that to me, like the novelty was higher than like, okay, we've seen it before. Obviously, I still really enjoyed the film if you go listen to our Endgame review. But uh, to me, I still put Infinity War 1. Um, See, then I'd probably go... I'd probably go Black Panther 2. I still really like that one. Black Panther 2. You've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, spoiler alert. Black Panther 2. It's awesome. Yeah. Namor's in it. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, that's the setup. Black King... Panther's up there Black for you, Panther. Right? I it, really it actually, like that. After Endgame, it tumbled down my list a little bit. Really? Eh? Yeah. Like things like Iron Man and a few others kind of yeah. popped up a little bit more on my list and overtook and pushed down Black Panther a little bit. Not because I don't like the film, but. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many good films. There's 22 of them and about 20 of them are excellent. Yeah. So it's hard, it's hard to rank, right? Um. I'd go Winter Soldier 3 and then Endgame 4. Okay. So top five. Um, still top five. Top five. And then five, rounding out the top five. I mean, I still would have to re-watch these films mm-hmm. to give like an accurate depiction of my rankings. And maybe one day I'll get around to doing it. Maybe when there's 50 films, I'll take a whole week off work and do it. <laughs> but uh, number five, I'd probably go the first Iron Man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the more like you think about that film and just the importance of it and, and that film bombs, you know, we're not here today no not at all we don't have a podcast no right like we we probably probably don't no like we probably don't become friends if it's not for iron man that might be true right because like it's it's funny how you can maybe boil it down to something like the success of the mcu because that's really why i got into comic books yeah yeah and that friendship was bonded over comic books even with troy too it was was the same thing him and i are a bit more star wars but at the same time you're probably right because this whole podcast was conceived when sanjay and i met and we're walking back and forth to our local comic book shop. That's right, yeah. And we kind of just said, let's throw it on to like, get some mics and do some stuff here. And then we yeah. kind of just went for it and it kind of evolved into what it is now. But you're probably right. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, for that factor, for the Tim factor, Iron Man comes in top five. five. Yeah. Well, my nostalgia doesn't run that deep on my top five rankings. <laughs> I've got Endgame, Winter Soldier, Infinity War, Civil War, and Avengers are my top five. Oh, you see, I forgot about Civil War. Yeah, so good. Yeah, right? And then you got Avengers too, or Avengers the first one. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's tough. MCU is probably the hardest franchise to rank. It's such fluid list, right? Right. Like, I might sit down. I rewatched Infinity War this past weekend while bouncing the little one. Yeah. Giving my wife a little bit of time. Nice, so. nice. So, I rewatched Infinity War. Yeah, it's, it's they're all brilliant. They're all so right? good. Yeah, right? it's, it's so hard here. I mean, maybe James Bond, but I haven't seen all those. Maybe Star Trek? Star Trek, there's so many. Or Star Wars, even. Yeah, Star Wars is probably the other one. It's pretty fluid. It's pretty fluid, yeah. For me, it changes. There's The top five is... Maybe the top three is more fluid. Yeah. Um, But once you get below top five in MCU, it's to me, it's just a mixed bag. Sometimes Iron Man and First Avenger, Black Panther... Ragnarok, they're all kind of kicking around in there. Yeah. So pretty I, wild stuff. Yeah, man. It's it's exciting times. Like 22 films. Yeah. It's wild. And what? 23 next summer. And, well, not next summer, this summer. Yeah, in a couple months. July. I mean, what's the record? James Bond is filming 25 right now. Yeah. It's going to overtake it. It definitely is. Here. And the production stopped right now because uh, James Bond got hurt. Yeah, bro, hurt his ankle. Yeah, Poor Daniel that. Craig. <laughs> now, I hope he feels better. You, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when it, with regards to the MCU. You know, we know we got 23 films. We talked last week about the future of the MCU itself. And now there's some rumors going around that uh, Marvel's going to release in their own event again 
the next slate of films. Let's do it. In the not too distant future here. You know, it really probably post far from home is what people are saying. And D23 is in August this year. Whether or not they do it there, San Diego Comic-Con, or even on their own little event that they did before when they released their announced Civil War and all the... MarvelCon. Yeah, MarvelCon. It's a thing. Like you look at Star Wars Celebration. Yeah. It blows my mind that there's not something like that for the MCU. We should start it. We should definitely start it. Yes. Put First it, one know, in Calgary. Write a note. <laughs> Dear <laughs> like, Bob Iger. But I was thinking the other day, like, why doesn't the MCU have tie-in books, tie-in comics? You know, yeah. The same way that Star Wars does, where they have their so They've basically expanded every piece of media you can think of. Yeah. Books, yeah. comics, audiobooks, everything, right? Yeah. Young reader adaptations, anything. And the MCU is very focused on delivering film, barely outside even to the TV. Yeah. You know, just a wink and a nod. And now we're getting these tie-in shows from Disney+. Plus. But it seems odd to me that the MCU hasn't exploded out into more of an all-encompassing sort of experience when it comes to consuming that part of the universe. Well, I mean, they still have, like, the comics of all the characters, right? Like, Yeah, true. Yeah, Iron Man, I'm thinking Hulk. about, like canon storytelling yeah yeah like expanding like the off-screen stuff yeah exactly like going and doing you know we see it all the time one shots in star wars and yeah. they do a one shot on whatever drax the destroyer right right you know, pre guardians one and stuff yeah. like that like where they can expand in ways where or in areas that they're never going to expand but again maybe that goes to the idea that they're never sure enough that they're not going to expand and tell the backstory of of rocket or you know what I mean? Yeah, they could they could uh, reach into the prequel bag and no. be like, oh, here's how Rocket became Rocket. But Raccoon. to me, that sounds like a great comic book, right? Rocket oh, and totally. Groot, how yeah. they met and like just expanding the universe in that way. Now we've seen some, I guess, some comic book tie-ins with regards to the prelude comics, which are considered yeah. canon, but they've more become just a, a rehashing of the films that they came before them. So, yeah. for example, Far From Home's comic book tie-in, the prelude, is just a comic book version of, I believe, the end of Civil War and Homecoming. Yeah, and so I don't even buy them anymore because there's not new content in them. It, it could be too price. Yeah, like like you know how much profit they get. If you look at the comic book sales, I think the number one comic book sells about a hundred thousand a month. Yeah. So at three bucks a pop, that's three hundred thousand. I mean, it probably would cost more to get like the rights and like to pay a writer and artist to. Yeah, but still, you're driving people towards local comic book shops, you're driving people towards buying comics in that universe. Oh, hey, I'll pick up Captain America too. Yeah. So to me, it seems like a win-win. But I don't know, just a kind of a random thought off the top of my head. Maybe there. they're like, if you buy one comic book, you buy one less Marvel ticket. Who knows? I don't. Doubtful. Yeah. <laughs> Very I read doubtful. Captain Marvel, but I won't go see her movie. Yeah, well, I refuse. Yeah. <laughs> to buy that Blu-ray. <laughs> now you mentioned our Endgame review. Now, guys, if yeah. you have not checked that out, if you've seen the film, go back a couple episodes and check out. Do yourself a favor. Yes, do that. <laughs> <laughs> and then do us a. F- no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. Yo, go back and check it out. Wait, let, let me, let me finish that sentence because I, I stopped and said, "Let us do us a." Fa-. I meant to say, "Do us a favor." not just do us let's let do us yeah yeah let me uh clarify that before uh you know we go viral and i'm kicked off the podcast very sanjay-esque no no just no i said us. do us a favor and give it a listen <laughs> yes and one thing we're gonna give a huge shout out here i'm gonna yeah. play we're gonna play an audio clip here from a listener named dalton he sent us an email over yesterday actually and he also sent us a video clip very cool very very cool stuff here he is off in africa doing some research but he did make time to go see Avengers Endgame and check out a review from a couple of weeks ago. And he also gave a big shout out to our man, Troy. So I'm going to dump the audio from that video into the podcast right now. And we'll be back in two seconds just to give another big shout out to our man, Dalton. 
shout out to the Nerd Room Podcast. I just finished the uh, in-game episode, in-game review episode while uh, strolling along the beach here in Namibia. Awesome episode. Movie was absolutely incredible, even though I saw it on a very small screen, super small cinema here in town. Did that just so uh, I wouldn't get any spoils while I'm uh, doing research here. I'll be back to the States in two weeks now. I uh, can't wait to go back and watch it on the IMAX. Super pumped for that. But even bigger shout out to Troy for winning the fantasy box office pool, even though it's only May. Quit tallying now. $350 million opening weekend. It's over. Okay. Big shout out. Really appreciate that. I was actually floored when I saw this. Yeah. And I have a... I don't want to openly admit this, so I'm not <laughs> going to, but your kind of congratulations to Troy yeah. here in May on the box office fantasy. It's track. not over till it's over. It's not, but it's pretty close to being over. <laughs> they're, look, because they're calling Far From Home could do over $200 million its open weekend. Yeah, yeah. Which is insane. But, you know, his what are his other two movies? He already had one at Lego Movie. I think we should, like, ban his fifth movie, The Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, so he's, yeah. Got, he's got Dwayne Johnson's other movie. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, do you know what? I did so much research. Yeah. And I'm a complete bust already. Well, you never know. Toy Story 4 is going to be huge. I got Toy Story 4 and Rise of Skywalker. See? So two huge films, yeah. but... You never they... know. You never do uh, know. Yeah, I mean, but... I, I passed on Captain Marvel for Frozen, too, so we'll see which one was right there. Uh, but Dalton, man, thank you so much. That video was awesome. Yes. Warms my heart, and thank you so much. And, you know, while you're out over there in Africa, make sure you stop by Wakanda. Get yes. us a souvenir or something. I hear there's a Starbucks there yes. now. Wakanda forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, awesome. Make sure to, to DM me when you get back stateside. Because we got some, we got some new nerd room swag stuff coming in here. We're gonna start yeah. sending out to some stuff to you listeners and all that. So make sure you give us a give us a shout out, and uh, we'll hopefully get something to you in the not too distant future. Here, rock on! All right, man. Let's jump into the news section for this episode. It's been an incredibly quiet week. The only two big things really to talk about are this new Batman Hush trailer Wee. and this tiny bit of news that turned out not to be news about Michael Rooker being cast as King Shark. Yeah, that was it turned a... out to be kind of a dud. It makes sense to me. That would have been cool. I like him. I think that personally that he's pro- he kind of denied it and said yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. But he's one of James Gunn's boys. Yeah. And I would not be surprised if you see. Kind of Dave Batista and Michael Rooker, two of James Gunn's biggest supporters, mm-hmm. popping up in the Suicide Squad. So, yeah, not really news because it was news and then it wasn't news. Yeah. Where, where's your anticipation for Suicide Squad 2? You know, it's going up steadily. Yeah. Idris Elba is now in there. Now, right. it's going back. Is he dead shot? Is he not dead shot? The, so he said he was supposed to be dead shot, but then they're like, you know, Will Smith may come back. So, you know, we're not going to let him be dead shot. He'll be a new character. Yeah. And then they're like, he's Deathstroke. And then they're like, well, the rumor is he's playing someone who has a daughter and is also a killer. So I'm like, so he could be several characters. Yes. And they already cast Deathstroke with Joe. Yeah, Magdalenello. Yeah. Magdalenello. Just the most handsome man in the world. Maybe. Yeah. Idris Elba is the most sexiest, I believe. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what a good character to have two of the most handsome men in the world play you. As there you go. Yeah, but... but uh, yeah, it's on the steady rise for me. I think... Yeah. Uh, I like what James Gunn did with Guardians. Um, and my biggest caveat in all that is I just don't want Guardians Suicide Squad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? It's got to be its own like distinct thing. Yeah. I think it's got to be a little bit darker. 
maybe a little bit more violence. Push and, that R. And James Gunn is in that space. Like Guardians, yeah, yeah it did temper towards the PG PG thirteen, mm-hmm. but James Gunn's got that side of him. You know, oh, got him yeah. into a little bit of trouble. <laughs> Started with uh, trauma video. Yeah, yeah. So if you ever seen any of those movies, yeah, they're yeah, pretty the out there. Avenger and all Toxic that kind of Avenger, yeah, they're yeah. very out there. But yeah, uh, yeah I mean, to me, twenty twenty one that's when it comes out it's probably my most anticipated i mean batman's coming out that year but we've known next to nothing about it no we don't i don't even know who batman is well someone he's batman he's batman <laughs> but i would put suicide squad as my number one film of 2021 right now yeah because it's uh there's no star wars is it no, no no star wars no avatar to speak of no mcu films that we know of no there's gonna be three though in that year so that we know of that we know of that we for sure know of. i think it's untitled marvel film too yeah that's gonna be the number one movie <laughs> of the year <laughs> likely the, yeah. one that, the one that comes out in may yeah most likely <laughs> avengers 5.0 yeah and speaking about batman here we have this new Batman Hush trailer. Now, this yeah. is a new animated film coming from the DC animated side of things. And this will be adapting Jeff Loeb's and Jim Lee, I believe. They're, they're big, highly acclaimed Hush run from, I think, the early 2000s, 2002, maybe? Yeah, this was a little bit before I started reading comics. Yeah. But I do I do remember seeing the art like popping in and out. And I did read it. Now, I read it a couple of years ago, and before this comes out, I think I'm going to give it another read. Yeah. It, it's tough to reread stories because you're constantly getting new stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I'm already falling behind there. So how do you go back and reread? Like, you know, there's a story that you're just like, man, like like Watchmen was insane. I got to read that. Or like Dark Knight Returns. Or probably not those for you, but you know what I mean? Like Secret Wars or like Cap. Yeah, and like I've with Marvel Unlimited, I've gone back and reread a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just I think because you can binge through stuff like that. Yeah, it makes it a bit more consumable because you can consume real realistically a couple of trades in a sitting, right? Yeah. Whereas when you're waiting comic book to comic book, it's it's a bit harder, right? Mm-hmm. You find yourself wanting more, and then you forget stuff. Where I find you can just blast through something like that. And so I would have to say I revisit stuff probably a couple times a year wow really well because you can sit and it's usually we go away in july for two weeks a year or for two weeks at the end of july here yeah and i usually take a couple trades with me yeah it's usually when i revisit stuff yeah and in that space and with marvel unlimited i kind of have access i read in the bus here there and all you know what i mean yeah and so i have the ability to go back well also the big thing that i've done this year and we've talked about this you know lots is that i've cut back my pull list to only Mm -hmm. like five comic books uh, so i do have extra time because they're once a month star mm-hmm. wars a couple few star wars things and then cap and some avenger stuff and all that so i make time in that way but but yeah anyways batman hush so yeah. dc animated stuff dc original movie stuff they have always been fantastic you guys you and troy in particular have raved about how good the animated stuff is even you know in relative comparison to marvel stuff which has mm-hmm. never really got off the ground where dc has adapted so many of their big big arcs when you yeah. the killing joke came out a few years ago rated our version yeah that one wasn't the greatest but it, it did come out yes it did come it out. had batman and batgirl having sex which was kind of weird to see yeah to watch to witness <laughs> yeah i don't i don't think that makes sense to me but hey they put it in there it's, it's, there. it's not in the original graphic novel at all no they spliced together a few other things for for the yeah. killing joke here but it looks like batman hush here at least from what i can tell they're adapting it fairly close yeah to the comic book here now ign had the exclusive reveal of the first trailer so if you guys go over there and check this out but to me this looks like you know i get a lot of 
almost the animated series off of oh, this totally, trailer. Oh, totally, yeah. Like, big time. I don't know if it's the animation style, if it's how dark it is, but I'm getting that vibe off of it. And that's something that some of the other releases I don't necessarily get, some of the Justice League stuff. Mm-hmm. It kind of has its own space. Yeah. But this feels like a proper Batman release. Um, what are your thoughts on the Hush here and them adapting this and this dropping onto uh, DVD and Blu-ray, I think, towards uh, midsummer or something like that? Okay, yeah. Um, you know, it's one of the best Batman stories that I've read. Um, in terms of, like, uh, not the ongoing that I've been reading, so I've been reading since the New 52, so, you know, going pre-New 52, this is probably one of his best runs. Um, you know, I'm excited to see how they adapt it. You know, it's been hit or miss. As you said, Killing Joke wasn't the greatest, but then they did The Dark Knight Returns, mm-hmm. and they put that into two parts, and that was absolutely phenomenal. So, you know, I'm excited. I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, they did Death of Superman, and they did that one really well. So, I don't know. You know, this is one movie. Can they get it all in one movie? I hope so, because some of them are quite short. Like, some of them are like 80 minutes, 70 minutes. So. Yeah, I don't know if this is the feature length or what it is, but... It definitely will be at least an hour, maybe like an hour and a half. Well, based off of what's in the trailer, there's a lot of characters in yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. And they seem to be giving time to, you got like, Nightwing and Batman. There's mm-hmm. you know, some big cameos from some big villains. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to get this, and I'm always excited to see new Batman stuff. But just a caveat, like... I would really like them to try like spin this off and do something new. Like we get so many Batman and Superman stories, but we've only had one Wonder Woman one, and just the second one's coming out this year. Yeah. Some other characters that don't get the limelight, like Aquaman. we Aquaman would be great. We've only had one Aquaman, one Flash one. I mean, some of these characters, it would be like a good proving ground before the movies. You know, like the live action movies. Yeah. Throw in a Flash like origin, or throw in like another Aquaman story. And just see how it does. And, you know, if something doesn't work, you can be like, okay, so in the movie, you know, in the live action version, we'll tinker with this. And kind of just use a proving ground. Like they did with Suicide Squad. They did like a true Suicide Squad one. And that one was really cool. But like a Batgirl one, a Supergirl one, like just characters that don't get the limelight. I would love Mm -hmm. to see. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see them expand on this a little bit. But I wonder if being that DC is wholly owned by Warner Brothers and controlled by that is if they're hesitant to use big storylines for feature length film or for animated films when they want yeah. to eventually use them for feature length films. Yeah. So Batman, it's interesting they're doing Hush here because this is one of the more celebrated runs from the last 20 years, right? Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. you know, it's of this, Court of Owls and a few others that oh, these Quarter could be Owls, the basis yeah. for films. Yeah. And you're right, is this testing ground? Because ultimately this isn't going to grab your wide audience, right? This is going to grab your DC fans as well as people that, you know, dabble in the universe a little bit like myself. This, this may make $8 million in home video sales if it's good. So there you go. It's, it's interesting to see how they're, how they're running things here though, with, with Batman and all that and kind of tempering us until we get the eventual, maybe San Diego this year, some sort of, notional ideas to when batman's coming but this should hold over the fans so interesting to hear what you guys have to say about batman hush yeah um it is to me the thing i like about these animated films is like you said they're like an hour long hour and 10 minutes long whatever they are Mm -hmm. very consumable yeah Um, i have read part of hush not all of it so if you're looking to get into comic books and and maybe want to dabble a little bit into batman but you want to feel what this kind of universe what some of these stories are like these are good ways in, good mm-hmm. foothold in. That's the same way we always recommend Earth's Mightiest Heroes for yeah. those wanting to get kind of up on Avengers because it runs you through a fairly good and comprehensive story with regards to the Avengers, but it sticks pretty close to some of the comic book origins of 
the individual characters they introduce in there. So it is a good way, a good way to kind of leverage your way into the universe without having to go back and read, you know, hundreds of comic books. So you yeah. get a good perception of who these characters are in an hour and a bit. And, you know, usually they're generally pretty good. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Earth's Mightiest Heroes because I said that's always been like one of my favorite adaptations of the Avengers yeah. outside the comics. It's, it's incredible. It's really good. And the theme song gets stuck in your head. Yeah. It's so good. But I was telling you guys, I saw this other series that they have. It's like Avengers Assemble. Assembled. Yeah. And like their new season, it was called like Secret Wars. Yeah. So I was watching it and I'm like, hey, there's Wonder Woman. What's she doing fighting Captain Marvel? And then she starts talking and then she's like, I will take you down, Zarda. Or I think her name was Zarda? Zorda? And I was like, what? Like, it looks exactly like Wonder Woman. And then, like, she she has, like, a tiara. <laughs> and she's a princess warrior. And she goes, like, great Hera. I will take you down. Like, she's, like, a bad guy in this. And it's, like, her fighting Captain Marvel. And then Captain Marvel wins. And I think she's part of, like, the Squadron Supreme, which is, uh, like, the Marvel Justice League. Yeah, quick ripoff. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen that. And I was like, what's going on here? I was like, what are you doing? Like, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't like Avengers that. Avengers Assemble never landed for me because it was after Disney bought Marvel. Yeah. Earth's Mightiest Heroes ended. And then Avengers Assemble came out. Mm-hmm. And it even had a lot of the same voice actors as Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. That's right. Um, they re-kind of tweaked the art style and the animation style, which I didn't love. Yeah. And they brought new characters in. So it was okay. But I never, ever... I followed Earth's Mightiest Heroes like, to the oh. date it came out. Yeah. And this I never really got into. And I, some of the feedback I've heard from other people is it's not great. Yeah. So, But there's some there's Black Panther shows that I've been watching a little bit. The Guardian shows, all right. That's cool. Yeah. So... Yeah. I mean, if you ever see Earth's Mightiest Heroes Season 1 on Blu-ray, I have to pick it up. I have Season 2. But they're hard to find. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Real hard to find. I think they're like 40 bucks online for yeah. the season. Because they, they stopped producing them. Yeah, which sucked. Yeah, but, you gotta you gotta nail them. I think they might be on Netflix, but I'm not 100 percent sure. They were, but I don't think they are at least in Canada anymore. <sighs> yeah, so it sucks. But anyways, let's get into our main topic for this week, and that is 20 years of X-Men in film. Nice. Now, this is the longest running superhero mm-hmm. franchise when it regards to appearances on film. Yeah. And it's really come to a head here, and it's coming to an end with Dark Phoenix, X-Men Dark Phoenix, which comes out this in the next couple of weeks, June 7th. Yeah. Um, this is the end of the Fox era of the X-Men as Sad. they're now being run or being kind of reimported back into the MCU eventually mm-hmm. here. And as we said at the top here, Fox declared May 13th as X-Men Day. Yeah. You know, that was part and parcel of them promoting X-Men Dark Phoenix. So like we said at the top, again, we're going to talk about some X-Men here. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the egg legacy of the X-Men, though. All right. You know, they first appeared in 1963 in the comics here. And, you know, fast forward 20 years, 30 years, and they're the biggest comic book property in the 90s. Yeah. They're selling a million copies a month. It was crazy. Actually, the Jim Lee yeah. X-Men number one. Yeah. is the highest sold comic book of all time. Really? Upwards of 7 to 8 million issues sold. That's crazy. You would never get 7 million issues. I don't even think Marvel Comics sell 7 million in a month. No. No, not even close. And this was published in 1991. So really, you know, get the introduction of the X-Men in comics by Stan Lee, I believe, Jack King Kirby, all, all the creators back then. And you have this, this huge spike 
you know, 30 years of storytelling yeah. and then it really kicks off. And then you go 91, you got the kind of the, really the pinnacle of, of X-Men and comics. And then you go into X-Men, the animated series, 1992, yeah. that starts five years of this show. We grew up with this show. This was in our wheelhouse. So good. So I, I didn't know that it came out so close to Jim Lee's comic run. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, you never get that nowadays. No, pretty wild. This was on Fox Kids, and and they followed the stories so well. Yes, the do you, the theme song, man, too. Oh, just Wolverine with the claws, yeah. and it's the fence, and then it's the Brotherhood of Mutants yeah. and the X Men. Oh, so good, and Love that it. really kind of defined the X Men for our generation, yeah. right? Yeah, this to me, you know, you go back to the the original run, Angel, and all that. That wasn't what this was. You know, this this gave us a lineup of really Cyclops, Wolverine, Rogue, Storm, Beast, Gambit, Jubilee, Jean Grey, and Professor X. Nice. Yes. And for a brief moment, what was the guy's name? Forge or the guy that gets killed in like episode two? I can't remember his name. Uh, I, <laughs> Mimic or something? Mim- uh, no, not Mimic. Doesn't matter. But he's not important. He's dead. <laughs> this solidified, and this picked up some of Jim Lee's stuff from from the X Men and all that in the nineties. Yeah. But for me, when I think X Men, that is the, the team I think of. From oh the yeah, series. me too. Yeah, and it was really X Men. You know, coming off the back end of that show, nineteen ninety seven, this ends. Yeah. And then we kind of walk into X Men in film in the year two thousand. And they took a lot of cues from the animated series, from those Jim Lee runs as far as the lineup that we did see in this. Mm -hmm. And I would consider X-Men number one, the year 2000. If you look at any comic book film that preceded that, you know, the 80s were dominated by Superman, the 90s by Batman. And year 2000, that was a very important year for the comic book movie genre. Mm -hmm. It was the year X-Men 1 came out. You know, a year before that or two years before that, it was Blade 1 came out. It was a modest hit. It was a modest hit, but it wasn't in the same space as what the X-Men are. Mm -hmm. The X-Men was the first time really since, I guess, Superman that comic book movie films dealt with superheroes and superpowers in a big way on the silver screen. It was a fairly decent success. But this really kicked off what we're calling here as the pre-modern era of comic book movie film. Yeah. And this really goes from the year 2000 to the year 2008, which we would consider the modern era, where you have really Iron Man and the Dark Knight. Everything explodes. Explodes from there. Yeah. But when you look at the importance of the X-Men film, a lot of credit always goes to 2002's Spider-Man. That Mm -hmm. proved that they were commercially viable, that you could have these huge tentpole films. But X-Men is what really kicked this genre into really the start of it, into not so much high gear, but gave it a foundation to build off of. Yeah. Do you remember seeing X-Men 1? Like, I saw this in theaters. Yeah. Like the start of the pre-modern era, as we're calling it here. And I think a lot of credit needs to go to this film because without it... Maybe we would have gotten here eventually, but this really started the ball rolling on all of this. Oh, yeah. Like, I remember going to see it. I went to see it at the mall. I always remember this. And the theater at the mall was broken. Apparently, the screen broke down, so I couldn't see it that day. So I was pissed off, and then my mom takes me to Toys R Us, and she's like, all right, you couldn't see the movie, but you can get an X-Men toy. And this is back when Marvel still put out X-Men movie toys. Yes. So I ended up, I can't remember which one I got. I think I got Wolverine, or maybe it was Cyclops. But it was one of the X-Men and, you know, with the black leather suits. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the leather suits. Yeah. I love those. And uh, so they had that. And then I saw it like the next weekend and I was blown away, man. Because I was like, 
you know, they show they're actually in Alberta, like mm-hmm. where we live. And like a lot of times, you know, they don't, they don't, they don't come to Canada, you know, in the X-Men comics they do, but in movies they'll film here, but they'll never say, you know, it's Canada, mm-hmm. but it was like a true, and actually did film in Calgary in and around the area. Yeah. And it was like the true like comic book and like Wolverine with the claws, like you the you're introduced. Yeah. And you know, like Hugh Jackman wasn't even cast. It was someone else that pulled yeah, out. Scott. Yeah, he's probably kicking himself now. I don't yeah. know why he pulled out. He was got overrun on one of the Mission Impossible films. Oh yeah, so he banked on the wrong horse. Yes, he did. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Hugh Jackman, like he wasn't even prepared for this role. And he came in at the last minute. He wasn't like as jacked as he became. He's big guy. Yeah, he but he just looked like a normal guy. And then like it's funny because I think I was listening to the comment. Well, I was listening to commentary, but it's at the beginning of the film they shot those scenes at the end. So he's like more jacked because he had time to work out. And then at the end of the film, he's more skinny and stuff. So interesting concept because like the thing had some big stars in it too. Like Halle Berry was in it. Patrick Stewart, Mm -hmm. Ian McKellen. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Hugh Jackman was an unknown, but even Anna Paquin, she was like kind of just starting out her career and she became a big star too. Yeah. It's crazy to think about the, like the year 2000, like 20 years ago. Yeah. And I, I have vivid memories of watching this film in theaters. Yeah. It was at my local cinema in the town I grew up in, which was, had four theaters in it. It was pre, then now there's a Cineplex there and all this. It's pre all of that. Yeah. And I went with my cousin and I remember just, I don't know why I have this memory, yeah. but you know when they, when Sabretooth drops the tree yeah. over the thing and then Wolverine fires out, like head first oh, out. Oh, so cool. Yeah. My cousin lost his mind watching, <laughs> like just laughing. And that sticks out in my head. And the experience of watching that film, like, to me, I only have real memories of the most recent Star Wars and MCU films and all that. And the yeah. first time I saw the Star Wars special editions and all that. But for some reason, X-Men, like, this first film really sticks out Oh yeah, to me. Because it was the first time I really, like, I'd seen Batman 89 Yeah, by that point. But outside, and Batman and Robin and all that. But outside of that, this is my first real experience after the animated series I grew up with, mm-hmm. you know, we're still three, four five years removed from that. Yeah. And then we're seeing them on the big screen. Yeah. It's, it's pretty incredible kind of going back and thinking about that, that we've been with this franchise for so long. It was the first Marvel comic book film I saw in theaters. Yeah. You know, I'm probably, probably the same for me because I definitely didn't see blade. Yeah, no, I didn't see blade. And, uh, I only before this, I saw Batman forever. Yeah. I didn't see my parents wouldn't take me to Batman Robin because it was so bad. And Batman returns was too dark. So they didn't take me. Yeah. So, Batman Forever and this. So it was the second comic book film I saw in theaters. And it was the first one I saw without my parents. So mm. that was a big deal too. You know what? I'm in the same boat because I just went with my cousin. Right? Yeah. I think I went with my little brother. And I was like, oh, my no parents are here. This is so cool. Yeah. Just being like throwing popcorn at people. No, I wasn't. But, uh... Have you watched that movie recently though? No, I haven't. And I really want to like do a rewatch. Yeah. But I, I know... hear it doesn't hold up as well as we think. So that's the thing. There's a lot of nostalgia built into this. The 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 CGI doesn't hold up well. Right. Probably yeah. 2000s, 20 years ago. That's a long time ago, right? Right. So when you say 2000, I still think ah, it wasn't that long ago. Oh yeah, like whenever <laughs> I'm like watching TV and there's an episode and it's like, oh, from the year 2000, like Law and Order. I'm yeah. like, oh, that's a modern episode. And you're like, they have flip phones and stuff. Yeah, I was like, why do they dress so old school? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the story in itself too, though, I think it was it's an original story yeah no comic tie yeah no adaptation of anything Mm -hmm. and you see that change later on and so it's one of the first and only films to really do that where they're not pulling from any sort of source material why you wouldn't pull from source material i don't know maybe they didn't know like 
if it'd be a hit or not. Like, they, oh, it's a comic book. It can't translate yeah. to the big screen. And maybe that is just it, right? Yeah. Is that the translation of them from even the animated series stuff. You know, they took cues from that because he had Wolverine, Cyclops, Storm, and all that yeah. involved in the team here, you know, missing some key members like Gambit and Beast and Jubilee. But nonetheless, they had a fairly substantial foundation of those animated series characters, but an original story. So it, it's pretty wild. But... No, let's let's look at too the the franchise itself as a whole before mm-hmm. kind of getting into some of the, our favorite moments and all that. And we're talking twelve films here if you include Dark Phoenix and both the Deadpool films. What about New Mutants? Well, I guess New Mutants too. <laughs> Who gonna, knows if that'll ever get released? And if it's going to tie into this thing. But overall, your experience with the franchise. Yes, yeah. we've had highs, we've had lows. You know, when you look at X two, one of the you know one of the that films that's held up as being the best as far as that that pre modern era. That you, cliffhanger, huge cliffhanger. You go into the revamping with First Class, Days of Future Past, and some of the lows when you're looking at X Men Origins Wolverine. Mm-hmm. So overall, like your your thoughts on the on the franchise itself in the 20 years that it spanned yeah i mean i really loved these films but going back and thinking about them they've kind of been forgotten when you compare them to like some of the dc movies and some of the mcu movies i mean definitely when it comes out you know in a crowded year they're kind of like the third option for Mm -hmm. a lot of people like they don't have that built-in love that like the mcu or like the dceu is getting yeah so a lot of them I actually didn't see in theaters. Um, I didn't see X-Men Last Stand in theaters. Um, that came out, I think, in 2006. Yeah. Um, I didn't see the Wolverine in theaters after I saw, I I saw yeah. Wolverine Origins in theaters. And I was just <laughs> disappointed. Um, and I didn't actually see Days of Future Past or First Class in theaters. Um, and part of that was I was studying for an exam um, during those times. And my exam was always in June. And those movies always came out in May or like in around the exam. And so I just never got around to seeing those movies in theaters. So my first experience with a lot of those films was on home video and just being blown away. Like shit, why did I wait so long to see these? Cause days of future past was phenomenal. Yeah. Like I would put that up there with like, you know, we just talked about Endgame. you know, I don't want to put an end game spoiler in here, but it has shares an element with Endgame, and you know, do I like it more than Endgame? I'd have to really sit down and think about it and put them back to back. But I you're think you're talking about that specific thread, not the film. Yeah, like I just think like the film, like Days of Future Past and Endgame, are similar quality to me. Now, I'm not saying one's I don't better. Know about that, but... I don't know if one's better than the other, but I mean, like, man, like Days of Future Past was so good. Yeah, you're right. Like, yeah, oh. it's and to me, that's that's where so you had kind of these couple steps right yeah. you go with that original x-men universe which really ended with the last stand mm-hmm. they tried to do this origin movie stuff and that eventually bled into this next or new generation actually going back and telling what eventually is then retconned into being the the preludes or the kind of um precursor to all that x-men universe stuff that we saw in the early 2000s with first class and then getting days future past and apocalypse and all that and it seemingly really ran out of steam mm-hmm. with the exception of the pit stop over with logan yeah right that rough adaptation of old man logan and you know kind of the putting the cap on the careers of both hugh jackman and patrick stewart there so when i look at this universe as a whole it's got some real highs and some real lows, mm-hmm. but it's done a lot for the genre itself. And oh, yeah. it, you want to look at 20 years, there's no film universe that's been around that long, eight years longer than the MCU. Yeah. And, you know, quite a bit longer than the DC extended yeah, universe. Like 13, 14 years. Yeah. So this here being the longest running 
sort of franchise, it's contributed a lot to the genre. And even case in point, they just handed over a Guinness Book of World Records to yeah. one Patrick Stewart and Hugh Jackman for longest career as a live-action Marvel superhero at wow. 16 years plus. So this goes basically from uh, 2000's X-Men yeah. all the way through to 2016's Logan, where they both retired, right? Yeah, right. And so it's, it's interesting to see that this franchise has been with us the longest and it's had kind of this lasting overall impact and inevitably here as we go into the future this is going to be kind of solidified as legends or some sort of legacy Mm -hmm. and we're going to be going and getting new things here yeah i mean it kind of reminds me of star trek you know with that varying quality people always say like the even star treks are bad but the odd no the odds are bad but the goods are even seems like like half the x-men films are really good and then half are just kind of Eh, take it or leave it, you know? Uh, and it seems like almost every second one is. It kind of follows some of the same patterns, so... Yeah. So we're, we're due for a good one here with Dark Phoenix. Yeah, exactly. Saying. I hope so. I hope so. I, it's got to go out with a bang. It, it definitely has to. Now, when you look at the effect, there's the effect on the genre itself, but there's also the, this kind of lasting box office effect, you know, yeah. something that we always like to focus in on here. And look, this, this film franchise worldwide has taken in almost $6 billion. Yeah. Over 12 films. But what's interesting is not a single film made a billion dollars. No, uh, the highest grossing one is Deadpool number one with $783 million So worldwide. not even $800 million. No, not even eight hundred. But still, when you look at the effect of Deadpool there, $50 million oh, yeah. movie, right? Right. Yeah, and then you look domestically, you know, the highest debut was X3, X-Men Last Stand, here with over just over a $100 million debut in 2006, which That's is a huge me. debut. Yeah, for 2006. For 2006, but you think like Days of Future Past, bringing back the old cast and the new cast. Yes, that debuted to $90 million. I mean, I think his first class was a bomb. Yeah, so first class only made $150 million, $146 million domestically. On here. like uh, probably what, a $150 million budget? I don't know if it was that big because it, it was a film that it was meant to be smaller. Yeah. Right? Directed by Matthew Vaughn. That's right. Uh, it was originally spun as this Magneto origin story, but because of the bust that was X-Men Origins Wolverine, they spun mm-hmm. it into kind of this revamped, you know, new first class, if you will. Right. With regards to, to the X-Men. Because they kind of wrapped things up in 2006, and then, like, Iron Man Dark Knight came on the scene yeah, and exploded. Yeah, really changed the game. And then Fox is like, shit, we need to get back in this. Yeah. So do you think they should have just started fresh from zero, or did you like that they kind of tried to revamp it on the fly and bring in this new cast and do the decade jumping you know it's days of future was awesome i like right? what they did there yeah and to me with first class it's one of the better films and you're right first class is now in the modern era right it was yeah. their first stab at the modern era because the last stand coming out in 2006 and this brief hiatus here mm-hmm. personally when you look at this universe i always liked that it was interconnected because i yeah. like the continuity of all mm-hmm. the timeline drives me Oh, Bonkers. it makes no sense. The timeline makes zero sense. I think it, they would have been better to stick with just a, a new universe, right? You could even, Going into yeah. this modern era of storytelling, comic book movie-wise, and just doing this first class and getting more towards what I thought they are doing at the end of Apocalypse with basically giving us that Jim Lee, that animated series lineup yeah. and running with it with the costumes and all that. Dark Phoenix is picking up after that I don't know if they're going there. And they've kind of got this convoluted history now with the previous X-Men because they wanted Wolverine or Hugh Jackman a cameo in it. Yeah. That would have been fine, but I think they should have maybe just stuck with that universe. But 
Jackman was such a draw. Yeah. And it was, and I can understand the temptation to do Days of Future Past with the old, old cast. Right. And then combining it all up. But we're now in a place now with Dark Phoenix that they're basically, in a sense, redoing Last Stand. Mm -hmm. They've more or less are pretty close to the timeline that the original X-Men was in. And so you have to kind of ignore all that. And they did skew the timeline and kind of try to fix all that. But I think, would they have been better off with a new revamped disconnected universe? Maybe, maybe yeah. in the, in this new worlds of, of genre post 2008, maybe they would have been better with that. What are your thoughts on that? You know, Jackman was such a huge draw. As you said, they could have just done parallel, like kind of had like Logan have his own standalone, you know, do like one-off stories that don't have any interconnectivity. And they could have had like a second separate, like connected universe where like, okay, we're starting fresh with this so you know i i would have liked to see him kind of start fresh because then like the as you said like the continuity would have been cleaned up then you would have had like a proper first one and you could have had like the costumes and made it look more comic accurate but then again you look at like the cast everyone they cast was on point like you got magneto was casting was terrific old and new professor x old and new you had wolverine so it's hard to give that up i mean it's they were such a draw and hugh jackman is like the perfect wolverine yeah and I don't know if the MCU at this point influenced their decision to make this more of a connected universe. Because mm-hmm. you look at the, the pre-modern era stuff up to the last stand, it's, it's pretty confined to that trilogy type of storytelling. Mm-hmm. One, two, three, done, right? That's why and they then they really inserted... And... Yeah, exactly. And that's why they inserted the Wolverine, kind of yeah. telling, telling a prequel story. And then it kind of got a bit muddled there as you moved into the era of the cinematic universe. Yeah. And that's when this all kind of collapsed in on itself in 2014 with Days of Future Past, where they really combined this whole thing up. And Deadpool really muckied it up. <laughs> yeah. But Deadpool in itself, I consider it's okay for me for it yeah. to be kind of off in space. Right. Because that's just Deadpool, right? None, even you look at the comic books, none of the storytelling isn't like it's in continuity but it's not it's all Mm -hmm. over the place right and so that fourth wall breaking that deadpool-esque type of storytelling makes sense in this muddled universe yeah but it's interesting to see how the effects of you know trilogies were a thing in the 2000s and the cinematic universe changed how they approached their overall universe but still Mm -hmm. universe building in a sense because like you said in the absence of of really the marvel studios having not having access, sorry, to X-Men, that allowed for Captain America, Iron Man, and all that to hit the screen at the same time we're getting X-Men. Because in the absence of Marvel Studios or Marvel proper licensing out their intellectual property, we probably don't get the MCU in the Mm -hmm. same fashion that we did kicking off with Iron Man. No. You know, their properties that had clout to them were things like X-Men and Spider-Man. They didn't have access to them because they're licensed out. Mm -hmm. That allowed the MCU to grow on its own and really develop into this this pinnacle film of of Endgame. So there is a lot to say about Marvel not having access to those or to that intellectual property up until now. Oh, yeah. Because it has Would we have gotten Ant-Man? absolutely not (laughs) all right like if you think about it you know spider-man was like the huge draw and iron man was this unknown yeah now we're at the time where spider-man far from home iron man was or spider-man homecoming iron man was in that film to Mm -hmm. boost box office sales right like iron man has become bigger than spider-man now at least in the movies yeah well yeah i guess merchandise wise not and probably global recognition maybe not now but 
pretty damn close where right. you know iron man and captain america are your two biggest draws yeah where x-men here is more or less you know we're putting that final nail in the coffin on this franchise until it's completely revamped so the pull for x-men is nowhere near captain america black panther iron no. man even ant-man like yeah you look at ant-man's grosses if you take this just bottom line numbers it's outgrossing some of these more recent x-men films x-men apocalypse made 150 million dollars domestically and then made that or more yeah i think it made almost 200 million dollars in the boss right like that's crazy yeah that's crazy like x-men you know i don't know what it was that like this franchise kind of just fizzled out. Yeah. It, it's sad to see because it had like such a good bang and they've had really quality movies in my opinion, but the public, especially in the U S I think international numbers, they do all right. Yeah, they do. Okay. They do. Okay. Not quite like, like Aquaman or like we Iron play, Man. It, ideally like they play to your normal international box office yeah. domestic split where you're seeing 70% of the domestic total coming for or the 70% of the worldwide total coming from international market right and so they don't play as well in the states but when you look at logan even x-men apocalypse like it did 388 million dollars internationally and only 150 or so domestically yeah so doubling that take that's crazy i don't you know i don't know what it is i don't have an answer i think maybe just people are like hey i'm mcu i'm dc or i'm batman like nolan's dark knight trilogy was in there too and i think they kind of just got lost in the shuffle because they weren't like they were marvel but they didn't have like fox didn't back them enough like you know there was no action figures after a while there's the comic book sales they kind of marvel stopped kind of what happened i believe and i'm not sure i know this is the case for spider-man but marvel sold intellectual film property yeah but not the merchandise ah so there's always these rumors going around that marvel is essentially trying to pinch out fox with regards right. to x-men and fantastic four yeah and so we haven't seen figures hot toys anything for any really this universe we haven't seen really so you can't anything. even get like a logan hot toy you might be able to get some of the wolverine stuff but like but not even like like a gene gray who's like a huge player i don't in the think X-Men. so like a beast unless or... there's some old stuff out there yeah. but your more recent stuff like your days of future past your x-men are not, almost nothing what about your fantastic four from 2015 i don't know it's zero <laughs> it's absolutely zero you get invisible woman <laughs> yeah, i had to think about that one <laughs> but you know so th- this like admittedly this this franchise has had its highs and lows yeah let's talk about the highs here yeah let's do it favorite characters and favorite moments oh favorite characters obviously wolverine yeah um magneto both yes. old and you professor x well michael fassbender and ian mccallum in oh, this role so good yeah perfect casting on both ends there. absolutely agree um nightcrawler oh yeah those nightcrawler scenes from x-men oh, 2 these are so good we have the same list so far <laughs> <laughs> that that in x2 that opening the opening scene, scene where he tries to kill the president in the white house so good bam 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 like it's, it is like nothing we had ever seen before when that scene came out yeah like he's like he's using his mutant powers the quick cuts like the 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 swords and the not the swords but like you know he's punching him and then they have the guns and he can't catch him because he's teleporting slow-mo in there oh so good yeah that that's one of still one of the best opening scenes in a comic book film absolutely agreed absolutely agreed um Another character, I always like Beast. He was never really in it until like the newer films. Well, even X Men Last Stand, right? Kelsey Grammer. Kelsey Grammer. I loved Kelsey He's Grammer. Awesome. That was a great cast. Yeah, it was. Um, other characters, you know, one character, we'll do the highs. Obviously, Deadpool. Yeah. That's one kind of just forgot about. It's remembered right now. <laughs> yeah. Did you say uh, Patrick Stewart, James McAvoy? Absolutely. Yeah. Professor yeah. X. I mean, oh. Patrick Stewart was a fan oh. casting before 
there was social media on the internet. Right? Like, right? you go, you pull up your Wizard magazine, and it's a Patrick Stewart should be press direction. Yeah. Like, that would be so cool. And it made sense. He, he yeah. was great in the role. And, and he was already bald, yeah. so yeah, exactly. it made perfect sense. It made 100% oh, sense. <laughs> can we talk about his performance in Logan? How he, I think he got snubbed for an Oscar. He was really good in Logan. Right? You know, I don't agree with all the creative decisions in Logan, mm-hmm. but both Jackman and Patrick Stewart are standouts in that. And uh, Daphne Keene, X-23. Yeah. She was good. Yeah, she was good. Not not at the same caliber as Patrick Stewart. No, was. not like Oscar, but like no. man, she was gave a really good performance. Yeah. Um, favorite moments? I'll just uh, rattle off a couple before we get to your favorite characters and moments. Um, uh, we said the opening scene X two. Yeah. Uh, this scene this is a movie that you know it's not my favorite movie, but I always thought this moment was very poignant, and you know it kind of goes to like the X Men touching on deeper themes in some of like the MCU or DCEU, but it's Last Stand. Mm-hmm. When it's uh, the mutants and they're all inked up. Yeah. And the one goes to Magneto and he's like, this is a, yeah, yeah big scene. he's like, you're not with us because you're not even inked up. Like, you're not hardcore like us. Or you're like, you're not a mutant. You're not down with us. He like rolls up his sleeve and he has the uh, tattoo yeah. from, uh, was it Auschwitz? Auschwitz was it? Yeah. yeah. He's like, after I got this, I said, another needle will never touch my skin again. Like, man, like that scene gives you chills. And yeah. like, Ian McKellen like nails the scene. He does. And it was just, and he's just like, wow, like Magnino's backstory oh, is, is it's one of the ones because it, it touches on such a, a, a terrible time in human history. Right. And like his powers are really born out of that. Mm-hmm. And in most of the films, save X-Men Apocalypse, they do very well with that, especially first class. Yeah. They do really well with his character development in that space because it's a really touchy subject, right? Oh, absolutely. And, like, that was supposed to be Magneto Origins. Yeah, it was. And then they revamped it into first class because yeah. after Wolverine failed. Mm-hmm. They, but, man, that Magneto film would have been amazing, especially yeah. if Fassbender was playing him. <sighs> Something else. Um, another f- uh, moment, X1. I think it's X1 where – or maybe it's X2 where they're on the run – and then um, they have this uh, Iceman. Yes. And, and he's of, he's yeah. in his family. And then it's like, have you ever not tried to be a mutant? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's kind it was, of like. It was almost like a coming out, right? Absolutely. And yeah. kind of how it was framed. Absolutely. I thought that movie, you know, again, touching on those deeper themes that the X-Men bring. Yeah. Um, and then last, uh, there's so many of them, but I mean, Berserker Wolverine at the end of Logan, when you see him finally, like with Logan, with the R rating and you see Wolverine use the claws and you see the blood and they don't cut away when he's like stabbed someone in the head Oh, that whole film, like just Wolverine going crazy and Hugh Jackman, like giving his best performance, just like yelling and (laughs) running. Oh, it's just like him grunting for like. 10 minutes and it's beautiful that 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 yelling in those scenes in the forest would have been exhausting <laughs> right you ever see him they he uh released the recording really uh, yeah it's him in the recording studio and he's like uh, 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 uh. <laughs> it's, it's pretty cool yeah dubbing over that <laughs> um so so who are your uh characters and uh, our moments you covered most of my favorite characters there yeah. with with jackman patrick stewart team mccallum of course right but uh so I don't really have anyone else. <laughs> there is really no one else. You know, it's, I mean, I'm trying to think here off of the, the top of my head, the delivery from anyone else that even matches those guys. And it's, yeah. it's not even really, really close. No, right? like Cyclops really didn't get much to do in the no, series. And that's James Marsden. I James think. Marsden yeah. and uh, even, Ty Sheridan, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, Ty Sheridan, yeah. So Ready we'll see Player what one, he's dude. like in, is he is Ready Player One, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
So we'll see what they're like. I, I, you know what? In the new kind of era, Quicksilver. Is, yeah, it's, it's that's the one I miss. More his scenes, especially the one from Days of Future Past. So good. The breaking out Fastbender. Oof, that that changed the game because yeah. it was a whole thing. Who's gonna win in 2015? Right? Is yeah. It Quicksilver from Age of Ultron, or is it Quicksilver from? Uh, it is Days of Future Past, right? Yeah. Yeah. 2014, yeah. 2015, and it turned out it was in fact the Days of Future Past one. Yeah, that surprised me. But uh, I mean, when they made the cast, I was like, oh, the kid from American Horror Story. Yeah. But even the Apocalypse one with the Eurythmics. Yes. He's like trying to break everyone or free everyone from like the explosion. Yeah, and he's kind of walking up. Yeah, yeah, that one's good too. Yeah, we'll see what they do in Dark Phoenix here if they because it's hard with one of those type of scenes. It's hard to make it feel new. Yeah, hard to make it feel original. Yeah. That's why I think the first scene is so good mm-hmm. because it's original. Yeah, and it just I feel like in Dark Phoenix we're getting a similar one, mm-hmm. um, but it's not going to feel new, and so it's not going to have the same impact as say this kind of first scene we do see here in, in days of future past i believe it's days of future past yeah yeah it was yeah. and i guess one of the scenes that i always i always say is good you know from a probably the one the worst film in the franchise and <laughs> origins x-men wolverine whatever it's called yeah. but the opening scene to that so good like the, him going through all the wars with his brother yeah oh man like i love that if you guys haven't seen that scene just youtube memory, that one clip yeah it goes like he's fighting the american civil war and then he World even war though one, he's canadian yeah, world <laughs> war ii vietnam all this. yeah it's really really well done it's one of my favorite opening scenes in this franchise for sure you know so good with the exception of x2 it's the rest of the movie shit but yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's overall it's just really well done absolutely um is there any characters like uh villains or uh, other mutants that they'd never showed or they showed what they did a poor job of that juggernaut you, that's the one i was gonna say juggernaut juggernaut bitch oh uh, and, and even in deadpool too yeah i didn't like juggernaut. yeah it wasn't great it wasn't it was he okay. looked bad and like he just didn't act good yeah. i don't know juggernaut always was a letdown for me that he never got done justice because his animated series yeah. episodes were always good i like when ellen page calls him a dickhead yeah <laughs> <laughs> so good she was pretty good too actually yeah. ellen page and uh and kitty pride there yeah. kitty pride rogue was good but she never got her powers like she wasn't like the animated series where she was like kicking ass and like yeah she's flying. very um like moody teen through mm-hmm. the whole thing right even Iceman, he, he was pretty good yeah, yeah, not too too bad. But yeah. um, let's let's move on to our top five X Men films. Okay, this is gonna be a controversial. Yeah, list. controversial. It, it's going to be. Let's go back and forth here. Start okay. with number five, and we'll work our ways up to number one. So, Sanjay, what's your number fifth? What's your top of your top five of the, yeah. the I guess eleven films? Twelve would be with Dark Phoenix here, um, in this X Men franchise. Uh, you know, it's gonna be a controversial pick, but I'm gonna go X Men Apocalypse. Ooh. Yeah, you know, to me, this film wasn't as bad as people said i saw it in theaters <laughs> i saw it in theaters uh, maybe it's because i was like deep into studying and then i got like one day where i just went and saw it and it was like the only stimulation i got for like months but uh man like i don't know like the end fight with apocalypse where like it takes dark feet Fe- you know gene gray turning into dark phoenix yeah. it takes cyclops it takes magneto it takes storm all of them like trying to defeat apocalypse and like they get their costumes and I don't know. I just I just think that movie is underrated and it's a fun time. It's not like it's not like the best film in the franchise, but it's a movie I can throw on and it's just like good action. The story's good enough. And I really like Apocalypse. He was always one of my favorite villains yeah. in the animated series. He was okay. Like he could have been better, but you know, I think Oscar Isaacs did the best he could. 
And he definitely looked better than the Ivan Ooze that he was initially when that yeah. photo leaked. So they improved upon that at least. They did. <laughs> this film doesn't make my list. We did review this. this That's one of the right. First films I don't even think was I. I don't no, think I, I was on the podcast. Troy and Elliot. That's the, right. The, yeah. That our friend Elliot here. I think. Yeah, you'd have to go back into the archives there, but don't judge us. That's one of our first reviews. Yeah. <laughs> so my number five is X Men One. Nice. Most of this is nostalgia. Yeah. <laughs> there's some good stuff there's, in there. There's some good stuff in there, but it's definitely when you look at it on just pure scale and maybe even quality at this point, it might not match up to some of the other films that yeah. I'm leaving off this list, but it started all off. I think there's there's a lot of credit to give to this film, like we've mentioned in the past with regards to what really kicked off. So yeah, number five for me, X-Men. I always remember that line that Storm says to Toad. That's the only Joss Whedon line, because he wrote the first script. Really? Yeah, and I think that's one of the only lines that, of his that was left in that there. Because he was an X-Men comic book writer at the time. Yeah, so he wrote the first treatment, and I got most of it got chucked out. Well, thankfully, because that, that line is terrible. It's yeah, like, what is it? Like, like what, do you know what happens to a toad when it gets struck by lightning? Same thing as everything else. And then, like, the lightning hits. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, you get to see the lightning power, so at the time, we're like, oh, she's using lightning. That's cool. But, man, that was weak. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> uh, my number four, Deadpool. Deadpool? Okay. Yeah, I mean, this is a film oh, that... Oh, shoot, I... I forgot. I didn't put any Deadpool in mine. Oh, Ryan Reynolds is going to come to your house and beat you. Mine's pure X-Men. That's my caveat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, Deadpool. I mean, this is a film that I came in with no expectations, came, saw opening night. I saw the leaked uh, test footage. I'm like, oh, man, like, Ryan Reynolds, like, the costume looks cool. But he played Deadpool already in X-Men Origins Wolverine, and they sewed his mouth shut. So, like, maybe this thing won't so be as... Dumb. Yeah. <laughs> the Merc with the mouth, and he he doesn't have a mouth. Um, so I was like, I don't know what to expect. Uh, my wife was pregnant at the time. I remember that. And we went and it was the first time we used those recliner seats. Yeah. So she was ecstatic because she was like, oh, she's like, I thought I had to sit in the stupid chair for this whole movie. I think she was quite pregnant too. So, uh, I think she was like, gave birth like two weeks after that yeah. film. Just so, right there. Yeah. I mean, right at the end, <laughs> Deadpool cut the cord and everything. So hey. <laughs> Deadpool may be the father. <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's such a funny film and I think this one's far superior than the sequel. Yeah. Agreed there. Again. Yeah. I guess I have to put that on. I don't have any Deadpool films in here cause I just did pure X-Men because that's what it was. Top five <laughs> X-Men films, Sanjay. Number I'm four. Sorry. This is going to be controversial. Logan wow logan number four yeah you'd be hard pressed to find four movies period better than logan no yeah (laughs) and some of it you know i really really enjoyed the film you can go back and listen to our review that's in the archive that was a controversial review yes it was um i have issues with creative decisions in there yeah um, more so than maybe i should but yeah, that's why it's sitting at number four. For I me. mean, I know you're a big continuity guy, and there they're kind of just like, ah, screw the continuity. It's not. It's not about the continuity. It's about the one of the big ones is the death of Professor Xavier for me. Yeah. Um, and, it, and the movie kind of turned on its head from there for me. Yeah. It was going in all the right directions, and they were really kind of foreshadowing what should have happened. Yeah. Like in my opinion, it should have been Wolverine that killed Professor X. But it was. Yeah, but it was just some <laughs> dumb X-24. But, I mean, that's so, like, disheartening. Like, think about it from Wolverine's perspective. But they built, like, the whole film. You can go yeah. back and listen to the review, guys. But yeah. the whole film, they're, like, basically, like, foreshadowing that it's going to have to be Wolverine because he's the only one that could, you know, tolerate yeah. him. Yeah. Like, as far as the, the, the psychic powers. And it was him that, like, the whole, oh, we're going to go on a boat. We're going to live our lives out. Blah, blah, blah. It would have just made sense if it was Wolverine that, that had to do that. Like, to me, that's the ultimate 
like sacrifice that he has to make. Like, mm-hmm. He has to say, this man's basically my father. Yeah. But he's going to kill everybody. Yeah. And so that's that decision making. You look at Wolverine, like he's had to make those tough decisions. And so that's, that's the creative direction that I have issues with. But anyways, <laughs> number three. Uh, what do I have? Oh, yeah. Number three, X2. X2. We X2. talked about that opening scene, but yeah. I mean, just the film itself, the structure of the film, like the action, uh, the cliffhanger where you find out like, oh, Jean Grey, is she dead? Is she alive? Yeah. I remember sitting there in theaters just being blown away, just like sitting at the end. And that was like kind of like the first big cliffhanger Mm -hmm. that led into the third one. Yeah. I can't remember. This one came out 2005, was it? Or 2004? Which one? Sorry. Uh, X2? 2003, 2004? Yeah, something like that. 2003, I think. So yeah, this is like before Batman Begins. This is before Superman Returns. 2003. 2003. So yeah, this is before like a a bunch. Like this is before DC got back in the game. This is long before the MCU is even a thought. Yeah. So I mean, at the time, this was in between, I guess, Spider Man one and two. And I don't remember Spider Man having a cliffhanger the first one. So Mm -hmm. yeah, a cliffhanger was fantastic. Everything about that film, I just love it. And and you get to find a little bit more about Wolverine and Mm -hmm. his backstory. Top notch. Number three. Yeah, number three for me, First Class. Oh, yeah. See, this one didn't make my list. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this film when it came out. I yeah. liked where the direction they were going. You know, we spoke about it, too, about how it was really that revamping of the universe and the recasting yeah. of a lot of these kind of more beloved characters that already had very definitive people that had played them. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciated that. I appreciate what they are doing there. So, yeah, number three for me is First Class. All right, nice. we're top two, nice. man. Top two. I'm going uh, Days of Future Past, number yeah. two. I'm the exact same space. Yeah, yeah. It's so good with the time travel. I mean, it's one of those films that, like, you have different characters, you know, playing the same person. And, and both of them, as you said, give fantastic performances. And you see, like, old Professor X and young Professor X, old Magneto, young Professor – or young Magneto – Wolverine Hugh Jackman is the only one that could play young and old because he no. just he just Looks never aged. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, Days of Future Past. I mean, the scene where Magneto takes the stadium and like puts it around the White House no. so he can kill the president, like that's fantastic stuff. Like that's so comic booky, and you know you get a little bit more mystique than I think a lot of people kind of wanted. Mm-hmm. J- Jennifer Lawrence though, she Jennifer is Lawrence huge. is a huge star, but mystique has always kind of been a villain, right? Yeah. So that was kind of weird, but I mean we all understand why yeah right like 100%. hunger games was like one of the biggest movies of all time yeah so it makes sense and i think when they cast her initially hunger games had never come out no, she's so, relatively new right so, yeah so like oh yeah this new up-and-coming actress you may have heard of her so yeah days of future past number two for me nice i'm in the same space days of future past the thing i remember a lot about this was the build into it yeah the trailers were really good it was a lot of patrick stewart voiceover yeah and really giving kind of this this cool finality to what was supposed to be kind of a swan song for the original cast. Yeah. And the tea, like all of it, it was really well marketed. And and, and the opening scene with the Sentinels. Oh, it's so good. The, the kind of the post-apocalyptic world. <sighs> yeah, really good stuff. I wish we got a whole movie of that world. Yeah, it'd the be interesting. Oh. Have you seen the uh, Days of Future Past animated episode lately? I have not. not I haven't either. I think I don't think it's Wolverine that goes back in time. I think no, it's, it's, uh, it's Kitty, Pride. Kitty Pride. Yeah, in the comic books, Kitty Pride too. Right? I mean, yeah. it makes sense. She could go back in time. She's kind of got like that yeah. powers. Whereas Wolverine is like, well, you need Hugh Jackman. Yeah. He's a big draw. Well, and they bought it. He's the only one that had was existed other than Professor X and Magneto, right? Yeah. So they bought jump. It was really cool. I yeah. thought, and I think you know, it does make a mess of everything, but in in its in its own way, it kind of works. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, you can appreciate that. 
Yeah, I mean, this part of the thing is really cool is like we only get 13 films, which may seem like only 13, but like it's a finite number. Yeah. And it's easy enough to digest in like, you know, maybe not a weekend, but like in a week. Yeah, you can so, definitely get through it. I mean, I think when my daughters are a little bit older, start watching comic book movies and stuff, maybe I'll skip like the R rated stuff, but I think I might start them on like the X Men. Just be like, here's like the six movies that like, you know, that are like PG, like PG 13 yeah. that they can watch. So I won't show them, obviously, like the Deadpools or the Logans if they're like, you know, 10 years old. But, you know, like the first Responsible parents. Yeah. <laughs> I'll wait till they're 12. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think it's a good franchise, you know, set, getting set up in that. And, you know, that's how I started. Yeah. So I'm going to go with, I don't know. Okay. I haven't decided yet, but I mean, that's what I hope. Yeah. I can probably guess your number one here. Yeah. Uh, it's X-Men Origins Wolverine. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. No, of course it's Logan, man. I mean. I already talked about the brutality of the film. Like, it's the first... This one came before Deadpool or after? Uh, after. I think it came after. Yeah, it came after because Deadpool... No, I think... Yeah, 2017. Deadpool was 16. Okay, yeah, so it came after. Uh, yeah, like, Logan, the R-rated, the brutality of it. It was phenomenal. I remember watching in the theaters, and at the end of the scene when he's dead, and they, she takes the cross and she makes it into an X. Yeah. Oh, that was so good. Like, I had tears in my eyes in theaters, and then Johnny Cash plays at the end. Well, that's the thing too. The trailers for that, yeah, were unbelievable. Playing Johnny Cash yeah. hurt. Oh man! Like anytime you play Johnny Cash, you have my attention. Yeah. And you have Hugh Jackman and Wolverine in there. Are you kidding me? A lot of black and white. Oh, oh yeah. There's even Logan Noir. Yeah. yeah, the black and white cut. I mean, how many superhero films can pull that off? I haven't watched it. I heard it works. Yeah, it totally works. I've seen it before. Yeah. It works. And like, think about it. Like, how many other films could you watch? Like, I don't know any other film black and white that's a superhero film it's just like stands on its own two feet it's got a oscar nomination for writing which they actually gave to the creator of wolverine like the nomination which was really weird because oh, really? like, yeah instead of like Lo- old man logan it was len ween interesting who passed away recently oh yeah R.I.P. yeah um but yeah logan was just hugh jackman patrick stewart like just the you know you can tell his mind slipping but sometimes he still has glimpses yeah. that everything's still there. And then Daphne Keene is X-23. She was phenomenal. Like, she's so brutal and so vicious. And, like, the bad guy, like, uh, chasing them. You know, yeah. he, he works. He's serviceable. And then you got the Wolverine clone. He's got to go up against his younger self. You know, it's uh, it's phenomenal. Like, Wolverine or Logan. I remember, like, my wife's not that big into superhero, like, comic book films. And, like, she didn't go to see Logan with me. So when I got it on home video, I showed her. And, like, she was like, wow, that was, like, an amazing film. I was like, yeah, like, it was, it's up there. You know, this might be controversial, but, you know, we're all about controversy here (laughs) in the nerd room. I'm saying that Logan is not only number one X-Men film, it's my number one Marvel film. Wow. Yeah, I'm throwing down the gauntlet. It's not even close for me. Logan is number one. There you go. Well, I can appreciate that. I think that's cool that you got an outside of MCU I mean, one. I mean, you know, not to throw shade at the MCU because, like, they control everything right shade now. Shade thrown. <laughs> but you see that, Kevin Feige? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Give me an R-rated Ant-Man film. That's all you want. Dark, gritty. Yeah. R-rated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, to wrap this up, guys, my number one is X2. Nice, nice. It's, uh, I, I love this film. Mm-hmm. I, it's rewatchable. It holds up, I think, today. Absolutely. And When's the last time you've seen it? years man yeah years, so. it, i'm we're due for like an x-men rewatch yeah we are 
Yeah. Once we have time in our lives, we're going to get back to retrospective series, review series, and all that. X-Men was always one we had tossed around, too. So yeah. maybe sometime in the near... No, not near future. Maybe next year. 2022. Yeah, 2022, when Star Wars just, comes out. Just about the time when X-Men comes back into the MCU. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and nicely segueing into the last little tiny conversation we're going to have here is, what is next for this franchise? And we spoke of last week, so you can go check this out a little bit, yeah. about the future of the MCU and how potentially the X-Men could fit into it. And from a comic book perspective, we've got Jonathan hickman mm-hmm. he is taking over the lead on x-men they're revamping everything they're ending all x-men comic books doing these two big events house of x and power of x starting i believe in this july and then they're revamping every single x book so it looks like we're gonna get a massive renaissance of x-men in the not too distant oh, that's future funny here. how that happens when fox gets bought by disney yeah eh? there you go i wonder why it's just coincident i bet coincidence so we're getting <laughs> yeah new comic books you know with the legacy there built into it and a brand new, presumably brand new franchise here. I personally, like I said last week, I don't think we're going to see the X-Men anytime soon. Mm-hmm. They're probably the more difficult to integrate in this whole Fox acquisition merger type thing. As far as MCU, you know, Fantastic Forest seem relatively straightforward. Some of the villains like Dr. Doom and all that, you could probably get in there. X-Men, a little more difficult, particularly when you're trying to work in people like Wolverine, Professor X, and Magneto. There are three favorite characters, as we mentioned before. How do you get them into the MCU? I think we're going to have to wait and see on that one. Yeah, I think it's definitely, you know, they could always bring them in from like a different timeline or yeah. something like that. And it's, yeah, it becomes, how do you do it organically? Yeah. How do you do it economically? And how do you do it with some believability behind it? And I don't want the MCU to slip into a, we can use the multiverse to do anything. Yeah. Right. And we, we talked about this last week about them being conservative with its use and using it once in a while and not just using it as a catch all to solve like all crutch, problems. Yeah. yeah. Like a crutch as yeah, a perfect example um, or word there to that's something that they can't use it for Mm -hmm. but yeah so that was a ton of fun man that's yeah x-men 20 years of x-men in about an hour (laughs) (laughs) are you gonna pick up the hickman runs yes i am actually i'm gonna go jump into that i have i love hickman and i I love what he's done on everything from secret wars Mm -hmm. to the avengers avenger stuff infinity all that so yeah terrific writer yeah terrific writer long-form storytelling so he has a tendency to bring in legacy stuff from the past as well as build for new stories arcs that can go for up to two three years so yeah i definitely look into that so anyways guys with all that being said i think it's time to wrap this up so if you'd like to be a part of this show you can always email us at the at gmail.com you can hit us up on a twitter hashtag the twitter gang or hashtag twitter gang actually and our handles are like always are at the end of the episode if you want to get us directly everything that we do is on the nerdroom.net as well as star wars commonwealth.com we are part of the star wars commonwealth podcast network so you can go over there and check us out as well as all the other podcasts in the star wars commonwealth and we always like to give a shout out to our man rob wade for endorsing this podcast on emotionally14.com you can check out everything that he does including the crazy train podcast talk stores which i am gratefully a part of in tsw comics we're going to be getting back at that in the not too distant future here and yeah well that can be found on emotionally14.com and i guess with that mouthful done it's time for us to sign off so you know i think we should have like an annual award that like favorite podcast but i think troy would win it every time so 
We're going to have to Photoshop pictures of, like, Troy, I don't know, like, punching a puppy. Yeah. Or... or we'll just be you and I in competition. Yeah. <laughs> We're <He's> a... <laughs> second best. <laughs> you know, I don't I don't want to spread rumors, but I heard Troy, you know, he dresses up for Star Trek conventions. Ooh. Yeah, and he actually doesn't even like Star Wars at all. Ooh, I'm going yeah. to leave that, leave that simmer for a week. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's not even here to defend himself. He doesn't even like DC. He doesn't like Marvel. You know, he's all about that image comics. Ooh. yeah Ooh. yeah dark horse comics that's Ooh. that's more troy scene Ooh. more the indie stuff Ooh. our whole shtick here is stars marvel and dc yeah what's he <laughs> doing he's he, he's gonna come in here talk about barbed wire <laughs> episode 169 <laughs> anyways guys for the red room i'm sam i'm troy <laughs> and that's sanjay <laughs> and thank you guys very much for entering the nerd room this has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim, Troy, and Sanjay on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, and Sanjabi. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you plug in. Be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find more podcasts from Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, Tumbling Saber, Generation X-Wing, Road Squadron Podcast, San Diego Saber's Radio Podcast, Tattooing Sons, Retro Inc., and The Sandcrawler Podcast. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SW Commonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world.